Hello, this is Trish TV with Honey Hayton, a counsellor, and my name is Trish Jenkins. Well, mental health is a workplace issue as well as a personal issue. It doesn't mean you're loopy. There are reasons why talking to someone and talking to a professional can actually help. And so I was referred to uh, Honey, not by my doctor, but by someone on, on LinkedIn uh, when I said I, I focus on resilience. So with resilience, that your mental health, you know, prevention is better than cure, building your resilience. But also there are times in your life that you need to see someone, you need to talk to someone. And, uh, you know, speaking to a professional, my goodness, a professional is someone who actually has been trained. And so hopefully they won't mess you up. So, um, Honey, I'd love to say welcome and hi and tell us a bit about yourself, please. Oh, hi, Trish, and thank you so much for having me on today. It's really a um, real pleasure to be here chatting with you and your audience. Um, very exciting. So, um, as you mentioned before, I am a counsellor and I'm in private practice and I absolutely love my job. It's just my passion and my calling um, to help people in their, in their journey of life. And as you said before, you know, there's always times in our life where we can just do with some help and um, get the right help is really important where you can get strategies and tools yes. to, to help so, you. Um, as you mentioned before, I am a bit of echo there. Sorry, that's me. I'm just uh, putting this on. Yep, it's good. I've got the screen on silent while I'm sharing it. I was trying oh. to do it discreetly while you spoke, but I messed it up. So as long as it's me. No, that's so, fine. Yeah, so, so talking to a professional can really give you those tools and strategies to help you through um, things in your life that you might be, um, you know, struggling with. And, you know, I know talking to friends and family can be really helpful um, sometimes. And, you know, I'm certainly an advocate of that, but sometimes you just need a bit more than that. You need more than just chatting with, with friends and family. You need someone who's a professional who can really point you in the right direction. And that's, you know, that's what I love doing in my role as a counsellor. That's fantastic. And, uh, you know, when we were talking earlier, I remember you, you said, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't take your car or you, you take your car to the mechanic when it's not running right. So why wouldn't you take your brain, your mind and your emotions to someone who can help you sort it out? Because friends and family are good, but mm. sometimes they, sometimes they might actually be part of the problem <laughs> and sometimes well-intentioned advice isn't actually good advice now um, I did a mental health first aid course last week and one thing that surprised me was the things that people often say that are actually unhelpful mm. and uh, one example of that is if someone's feeling really down that uh, if you're worried that they might do something to harm themselves I was surprised that they said be very direct about are you thinking of killing yourself I was like oh that's a bit blunt and they said well no because if you beat about the bush and say well are you thinking of doing something stupid you're not mm. thinking of doing something stupid are you firstly you're, you're using words of judgment mm. and of course oh no 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 but uh, 
and and you, it can be avoided so you know what is something stupid it could be anything but if you're direct then you're more likely to get a direct answer the other thing they said honey is that not to say um we don't use the phrase commit suicide mm. Mm. that's because right you commit a crime and for a long time suicide was a crime but it's not that's a crime so it, you're not committing suicide that's no, right it, yes so very interesting that it is I was really surprised because um, we want to tell people what to do when we think we know. <laughs> it's not always helpful. So someone yeah. like yourself will actually, hopefully, you know, put people on that right path. Yeah, absolutely. And I just um, was talking to someone recently and, and they're in an abusive relationship and they went yeah. to family and friends to talk about that. And, and it was just dismissed and they said, oh, he's a great guy. I don't know what you're talking about, you know, um, off oh, you go. So, so that sort of advice is very harmful um, if people aren't taken seriously. And, you know, obviously those that family and friends have their own agenda and that's why they've said that. But, yes, it can be very harmful, um, the wrong advice in situations. Wow. Mm. Right. So someone like yourself as a professional, you, you can help. So you can help people like that. Um, and it doesn't mean that they're loopy. So, you know, in the past, sometimes there's been a bit of a, a bit of a stigma about going and seeing a counsellor like, oh, it's weak or, or um, you know, there's something wrong with you. Um, mm. but, but really, <laughs> it's there shouldn't be a stigma because your mental health is everything. In fact, it's actually a smart thing to do because mm. you are, you are self-caring. You Absolutely. You do it for yourself. So well, what would you say to people who, who are a bit embarrassed about going to a counsellor? Yeah, I think um, the stigma around mental health, it is improving, I have to say. We're, we're now having conversations about mental health and it's more in the media and, and even on social media. So that's a good thing that, you know, we have Are You OK Day and Mental Health Days and we, we're having those conversations. So we're certainly, I think, working on the stigma of mental health and getting help, but it's still there. And, and as you said, people think, well, you know, you've got to be crazy to see a, a counsellor or, you know, maybe she will think I'm crazy. Maybe she'll, you know, send me to hospital or, um, you know, these are some of the things that people genuinely think about getting counselling. And unfortunately, it's a really big block. Um, it, and nothing could be further from the truth um, from real counselling. And counselling okay. is really just, yeah, it's, it's really just creating a safe place for people to come and unpack what's going on for them, to get an objective um, look at what's happening for them. Because often when you're in a bit of a bind and you're in a bit of a situation, you have so many emotions wrapped around that, that it's very hard to see objectively. And so just in counselling, just to talk about what's going on, to unpack it and have someone objective reframe it can be very helpful and very freeing. Okay. Um, someone, ask you, yeah. I just want to catch you there um, yep. because that phrase, that word reframing, mm. uh, one of the things that... Um, you were telling me about when we were preparing for this was about the stories that people tell and, and I know when I give talks um, you know I share the story of having been incarcerated and 
and uh, mm-hmm. what they did to my mental health and, and how I had to change what I thought that meant for my life. And I didn't know it was called reframing at the time. All mm-hmm. I knew was that the incident happened and I could choose what it meant for my life. Um, so what's, please explain to us what reframing is. Yeah. Well, it's exactly what you just said then, Trish, because our life and how we do life and how well we do life has a lot to do with how we perceive what's going on. It's a lot about the, the filters that we, you know, perceive things, what's going on. You can have two people have the same experience, but they have two very different perceptions about it. And, you know, you're talking about your incarceration, you know, you've worked through that, you've reframed it, and now you'll come out a better person because of it. If you hadn't reframed that, if you hadn't taken that perspective, it could have been very detrimental to you for the rest of your life. You could have carried that around as a huge weight for the rest of your life. So you've obviously done some really good work there to process and reframe what's happened to you. And now you're using that for good for you. So that's that's a lot of what we do in counselling is helping people to reframe and have a new uh, perspective on things right so it's as as you um, have just said it, it's not the trauma itself that harms you yeah exactly yeah story that you tell yourself about it so that's and, and and that's an interesting one because that makes me want to ask are we just telling ourselves lies then because if someone if, if you've had something bad happen to you and some you can say oh it's neither good nor bad no some things are bad there some things should never happen to someone yeah. um is it healthy to make up a new perspective of it or are we actually finding a different perspective so is there a difference between creating an interpretation or finding a different angle well i think well we should start with what trauma is so trauma is a negative event that's happened in your life and we talk about having big t trauma or little t trauma and big t trauma is you know the big things that happen in life a car accident your house burning down sexual abuse things like that like big t trauma But there's also little t trauma, which is, you know, never getting the love from your dad that you deserved or, you know, always feeling out of place at school. Um, You know, they're both um, traumas. They're all traumas. Um, And whether they're big T or little t, it doesn't matter because it's not the trauma that does the damage. It's the story we tell ourselves around that trauma. And that story that we tell ourselves is like a, it's almost like a subconscious script line that gets attached to that memory. And especially in, in um, childhood, when we're young, when traumas happen to us when we're young and we get those negative script lines or those negative beliefs that get attached to those memories. And the problem with that is that then they pop up later in life. So if you have something terrible that happens to you when you're a little, when you're a child, but it's not processed, then when you're an adult, that might pop up and sabotage how you do life as an adult because that negative belief is still there and it still has power in your life. That's that's really interesting. And, And it's interesting how you talk about big T and little T trauma. 
because some people may feel like because their trauma is little t, because their trauma seems to be small compared to what someone else has gone through, they may minimize their need to get help for it and think, oh, I should, or beat themselves, I should be able to get over this. I've got so much good in my life. I've got, you know, I've got, this is going well, that's going well. It's just this feeling of, of not belonging or not being, and they can almost feel guilty for having a, a supposedly small issue that affects them. But once again, it's not about the size of the issue. Mm. It's about what it does to you and how you see, and it's probably really quite um, insensitive to look at someone else's trauma and say, you know, you're just being a big, a big sookie baby. You know, mm -hmm. that's nothing. That's nothing. You should hear my problems. That's you know? right. Yeah. And people do that, don't they? Oh, they do. And they, they down, like you said, they downplay what's happened to them and they say it's not really a big deal. You know, look what other people have gone through. It's not about comparing traumas. It's not about that. It's about how are you doing life? Are you living your best life? Are there things in your life that you want to do better, that you, you know, want to change in your life? And that's where we start. We start with that. And then we work back and we look at, are there some script lines that are holding you back in life? Yeah, that's, um, that is, is really, I'm just going to pop that up. That was a really good summary there. Don't compare your trauma to someone else's. Mm. Yeah. And, and, you know, people can do it to someone else, you know, that, that, and that was one of the things with that first aid course too, is that you don't minimise that person's pain by saying, "Well," or you don't say to them, "Oh, look, look on the bright side. Look at what you have got." It's important to be grateful, you know, to, to have gratitude for the things that does help with not sliding yeah. into that. But it doesn't help to fee be made to feel ungrateful. And that was something that that I learned. I went, "Oh, okay, okay, right. That's there's a place for." remembering your blessings and being thankful but but not to be used as a tool and mm. I think sometimes for other people your pain is inconvenient mm. and it's annoying and they just want you to get over it yeah no yeah. so what do we do when 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 is there an answer for people I mean obviously you, you don't always realize when you show share with someone that that's what they're going to do or that they'll use it against you later <laughs> because they're just as messed up um, and that can often happen, that happens in churches, it can happen in the workplace, it can happen in families. Um, what do you do when you find yourself in that kind of a situation? I think um, the first aid courses, the mental health first aid course that you're mentioning, I think they are fantastic that more and more members of the community are doing those courses. And it's, it's they're very basic. They start from the beginning, but it's all good information, just like you're you know talking about today. And it just has some of those fundamentals um, about how to help someone who's in crisis, things like not minimising um, what they're going through or um, you know, not 
um, just casting it aside or giving your advice and telling them what to do. Really the best thing you can do for someone who's in, in a crisis, who's not doing well, is to listen to them and to, you know, to actively listen and not just, you know, butt in with, with what you want to talk about or your agenda or, you know, how bad things are for you. But just listening to someone is really amazing. It, it validates the person, helps him to feel, you know, that they've been heard and validated. And um, that's really important. And I think that's one of the big things that comes out of the first aid, mental health first aid course is just listening to someone in need. Yep, yep. Listen without interrupting. And uh, one another thing that they said in the course, uh, when when you're listening, and that you've just said, uh, you know, don't don't say your trauma, compare it to your trauma, but but don't even make it about you. That oh yeah, that's like when I was six, or when I was, you know, when I was at uni, and that happened to me. So I did. You'd think that would be helpful, but actually, you're just making it about you. Exactly. And, really not helpful so listen sympathetically empathetically and then guide people to help that that would be helpful whether it be um, a counselor or um, a a help some sort of you know even if because yeah I'm not a professional counselor um, but I can I can see where my expertise stops and and yours starts and I mean not everybody needs to go and you know, pay to see a counsellor, but but it certainly can help. Pro- well, maybe everybody does. <laughs> We've all got those things that are going on in our life where process. I like that word processing. So, what is it the process? What's going on in the brain when you when you're you know when you're processing? Because it's a bit of an abstract word, isn't it? It is a little bit. But what can happen is normally um, all our memories that happen you know, they get processed as we sleep. So during REM sleep, when our eyes move back and forth, I guess most people know that that's a stage of sleep. And that's when a lot of um, what's happened today will get processed and it'll get processed to a different part of your memory, which is more like the story you tell yourself. But sometimes the traumatic memories, they don't get processed. They're, They're just too awful for us to look at and they get a little bit stuck. And that's when they can get stuck with all the sensory material of when the memory happened and they can get stuck with a negative cognition or a negative belief such as, you know, I'm no good, I'm not safe, I'm, you know, powerless, things like that. And they're the ones that can then sabotage the present day. So what we can do in therapy is to reprocess those memories so they don't have the power that they had before and, and that negative cognition gets changed to a healthier one. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. So what would you say to someone then, if, that, that's a good explanation, but what if someone says, look, I can't read, I don't want to go back to that and drag it all up again. Like with, you know, mm. There is this fear that you're going to force them to revisit the trauma and live it all over again, but that's not how modern counselling works now, is it? Um, so there are some therapies that do work like that, Trish, that uh-huh. do, they're very talk orientated and they will go back to the memory and talk about it and, and rehash it and then, you know, reprocess and heal it in those ways. But one of the therapies that I specialize in is called EMDR, and that's an acronym 
that stands for eye movement, desensitization and reprocessing. And I wish it had a more friendly name, but uh, that's the name that it has and it's uh, a big mouthful. But I specialize in this uh, type of therapy because it's not a it's what we call not a talk therapy. You don't have to relive the memory. You don't have to go back there. Um, we just identify the memory and we actually use eye movements to reprocess the memory. And I know it does sound a little bit abstract, but it's a very powerful um, therapy that's been around for about 30 years now. And um, a lot of people are hearing about it and hearing about all the good things that it's doing. Yeah, I, I read a um, an ebook on it. It was just a shortened ebook, and uh, I thought that was very very interesting because mm. it's got to do with the what what the eye movement is doing while the brain uh, and what that does with the brain is it's like an imitates the REM. That's right. Movement. Yes, it's it's just it's sort of distracting the working memory while the long term memory does what it needs to do by reprocessing those old memories so that they no longer have the sting that they had before. That's really what we're doing. It doesn't take away the memory. It doesn't wipe it from your memory. It just takes that sting away. Um, sting away, great. Yeah. Um, and, and reprocesses that cognition. So for an example, um, if someone was sexually abused when they were little, uh, often the negative cognition around that is I'm powerless and I have no control. And wow. so that, that negative cognition sticks then. And so then when they're adults and they do have power and they do have control over their life, they don't feel like they do because that cognition is still there and it's still speaking into their life. And you can imagine how that holds people back if they're wow. still, I have no power, I have no control. And it's sabotage their every day. So it really can. Yeah. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put your... Um... I'm going to put your website across the bottom here, honeyhatoncounselling.com.au. Uh, honey um, and what I might even do is make that a bit bigger so that people can, that's a bit clearer, Honey Hayton with an I. Now, if you're watching and you'd like to make a comment, I'd love to, you know, I'd love to have you contribute and feel free to like and share and comment. Um, and uh, if you're on uh, we're on LinkedIn, we are on uh, Facebook, we're on my, my professional page of Facebook, plus it's streaming to my personal page, and it is also going live to YouTube. So that's where you will find these uh, this recording afterwards if you'd like it. Yeah, and, and if there's someone that you want to message about this and, and get them to have a listen to, you feel free to, um, to forward them the link as well. But yeah, if you'd like to give us a like and, a, and share a comment, that's fine too. We'd love to hear from you. Um, right, so uh, Honey, what I want to do now is share your website, uh, which is here. So this is, okay, we were looking at this before. So your homepage, honeyhatoncounselling.com.au. That's where you can find her and learn a lot more about what Honey does and who she helps, um, especially these days because COVID is triggering a lot of people with it, with it all. Um, 
and uh, thank you Darcy I'm so glad that you're on and you're enjoying the show that's great I think it really is relevant to the workplace mental health because it does affect people's productivity doesn't it it's just it's, it just does absolutely um, thank you for that Darcy it's good to know I'm glad you're enjoying it and uh, I'm going to shift over to um in services on your website and you scroll down you can see that there's a number of therapies and EMDR therapy, you can read a little bit more about um, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. It's eye a movement, yep, <laughs> but it's good. Eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. So uh, that can really help people. So it's particularly good for PTSD. I'm reading this anxiety, depression, uh, substance abuse. Wow, eating disorders and low self-esteem. I think you've pretty well got the big ones covered there, Honey. Yeah, that's that's pretty much um, what people come uh, most common for. Those ones would be, yeah. Okay, and uh, and give me an example of maybe I, I know you, I know you can't uh, put a time on on how quickly someone has a breakthrough for that, but uh, you were outlining for me earlier. You, you might do some sessions with some background and getting it framed up and then but their freedom can come even in as much as when you when you attack it that you actually have one session and they can be free yeah that's right so we we do what's called a clinical landscape which is just a fancy way of saying you know i get to know the client what makes them tick you know what's happened for them in their life so we spend a few sessions getting to know each other and then when we start the actual uh, processing which is really just identifying a target memory the negative cognition that sits around it um, how upsetting that memory is for them so we identify all that we do some eye movements around that and most people um, get relief and get some you know some real um, changes in just one session once we get to the processing um, of it yeah so very effective therapy that's impressive that's yeah. obviously that's not a promise that everyone will will get fixed up in one session but uh, that's certainly you know <laughs> you're certainly getting your money's worth really when when you can measure it like that um, you know because often we've got busy lives and we and we just want to hurry up and get fixed and you mm. kind of get the impression that counseling is going on and on I know when I came home uh, from prison and I was referred to a psychologist and I rang around this is before you had the so before you could get so many consultations from the government. Uh, I, I rang around and, and uh, I said, well, when, when can I? She said, oh, I'm booked out at the moment. I said, well, when do you expect to be freed up? And she said, well, it's hard to say. I don't know when people are going to be, uh, I could be, could be, you know, they just go on and on. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, if people aren't finishing getting counselling, you're not really fixing them. You're not really helping them that much if they keep coming and it's, and I was a bit cynical at the time. I thought you're making money off people's misery and not fixing them. But if you gave them keys to actually help them, that's how I was thinking at the time. But um, whether that's right or wrong, I guess some people it's, it takes a while and, and that's their lifeline. And I know I didn't want to leave my counsellor when it was time with psychologist. He said, Trish, you don't need me anymore. I went, oh, yes, I do, I do, I do. But it was more of a, you know, it was, it was kind of a great place. It, it ended up being, so this is what I'm doing now and this is what I'm doing now. And because my, my speaking business was taking off and he's like, Trish, you really don't need me. I went, oh, but, you know, he was good to talk to. But, uh, you know, 
going to a counsellor when you've got strategies that can give people breakthrough, which brings me to, you know, some people don't necessarily need to go through those really deep, deep things, but it might be, particularly in the workplace, where that imposter syndrome is so Mm. common. I'm so glad that I found out about imposter syndrome and I realised that I was not the only one who felt like, who does she think she is sitting here? Who do I think I am? I've got no right to be spouting this stuff. You don't know what you're talking about, Trish. And and, and feeling like I wasn't good enough, Mm. but it's so common. So talk to me about uh, how you help people with their work and their businesses. Yeah, and exactly like what you're saying, then a lot of us suffer from imposter syndrome. We're not good enough. You know, we don't deserve success. We'll never make it. You know, those sort of script lines can be can really hold you back in your business and really uh, clip your wings, really, to um, what you want to achieve in life. And and EMDR can even help uh, in business. Um, and I had one. Um, client and he was really stuck in his business and just you know wasn't able to sell he was really not feeling good enough and we did some processing around some old script lines and you know he really found freedom in that and was able to go on and and build the business that he wanted to build so um, yeah we can we can certainly process all sorts of things that can, can help you in your business and like you said it doesn't have to be the deep stuff I guess I probably think of um, people like onions, you know, how Shrek says we're like onions and and you can peel back the layers and, you know, the client can go as deep as they want to go. You can stay at the outer layers if that's what you're comfortable with or you can go deeper if you want to. I always consider the client in the driver's seat. You know, they're they're the ones who who are, um, you know, dictating how the therapy is going. You know, it's, it's about how far do they want to go, how deep do they want to go. And often when people come and see me, they might start off with, you know, some of the outer layers and when they get more comfortable, then they start to go to those deeper things. But we certainly don't, uh, you know, push anyone to go anywhere that they don't want to go. I think that's really important. Oh, that's great. That's that's good to know. And, uh, and also with um, counselling, people don't need a doctor's referral. They can just contact you directly. Is that right? Uh, yeah, that's right. You can just self-refer um, for counselling. So you know, if there's things in your life that are bothering you, things that are not sitting right, you know, and you just feel like you need to talk to someone to help you through it, you know, I'd really advise um, reaching out to, to a professional, to a counsellor and, and talking those things through. Um, I tell my clients, that emotions are you know just symptoms they're they're telling us what's going on so if you're finding that you're angry and frustrated and intolerant and um, you know feel like you're at the end of your tether you know that's telling you something that's telling you that all is not right within you and there's always something that you can do to work through those things so don't ignore those warning signs you know reach out and um, there's always something you can do to to um, help that so really, when it, you've just made me think, you know, people might say, oh, you need to go and get your anger management so you need to learn some anger management strategies or, or you need to, you know, harden up, princess. And really, the, the anger is not what they need to master. They need to actually see someone and process the, the cause behind, the anger is a symptom of yeah. what's going on inside them exactly and 
beating themselves up and saying, oh, you know, why do I always, why does it always, always get angry when someone does this or when this happens and, and that's their go-to. And, and yeah, they might have learned that behaviour from that's how their parents did it, but it's actually also something inside that they can reprogram and reframe by talking yeah. to someone like yourself. So you're not treating the symptoms, you're getting a bit deeper in there. That's Yeah, that's exactly. I, I talk about the anger iceberg. So if you think about an iceberg, you just see the tip of the iceberg above the water and then most of the icebergs under the water. So anger is like that. So anger sits above the water. That's the emotion you see. That's the, you know, the, the explosion, the, the behavior, the, the attitude, the things we say. So we see the anger. That's the part that sits above the water. But underneath is what's driving that anger. And that's where things like, um, you know, pain and hurt and rejection and, um, you know, bitterness fear exactly all those emotions sit under the the anger anger is a really important emotion and it's a it's what we call a go away emotion it, it tells people to back off it, it really keeps you safe it's saying well I, i'm feeling really unsafe here so go away and it has huge consequences for people because when we're angry we do and say things that hurt other people and so it has big consequences but like you said, we want to look below that. What's causing that anger? What's what's making you feel like that? What are you frightened of? What are you feeling? What pain have you got? Um, we can work with that um, and we can unpack what's going on. And then the anger will dissipate when you work with this, with the underneath stuff. That's so helpful to know because people can beat themselves up so badly for for either losing their temper or or they they feel totally squashed because they're holding it in holding it in holding it in so for example two places i can think of that people get away with it at home because pe other people can't see what's going on but i'm thinking there are two places where you feel like i have to pretend everything's okay one is the workplace because you can't go having outbursts of anger in the workplace. You know, you'll be called out on it or you'll lose your staff or, um, you know, I mean, some workplaces you can get away with it for a while, but that's called bullying. So you, mm. you might actually be a bully without realising it and you just think everyone else are idiots, you know, and that's why they just won't do what you've said and maybe you need to communicate a bit better but deal with that anger. The other place is in is um, in my culture in, in church. Um, if you've been brought up in a, in, a, in a Christian environment, you're kind of told that um, that it's it's not it's wrong to to be angry. Now that's not actually scriptural because we we can be angry, but but we're not supposed to do things with it. But that can actually be very repressive if we don't have a way to process that or, or if you've been brought up in a home where um, children are to be seen and not heard or if it's one of a home where women don't have a voice or you haven't been given a voice and you're not allowed to express you know you're being mistreated but you're not able to respond so you have to repress it mm. so it's, it's just so interesting that particularly in the workplace where you might feel the injustice or the perceived injustice of maybe there's a manager who favours other people or you mm. feel like you're the one always being targeted or if you are a manager, you can feel like you're getting kicked from above and kicked from below mm. and you can feel that stress and frustration. So yeah. 
you know, I would I would suggest that um, speaking to someone like yourself, and then it triggers those things that come up from from your past. So mm. I, I can see great value in coming to talk with someone like you, not just about you know people think they're going to oh how do I handle these these difficult people at work? Well, perhaps some of that difficulty has roots in what is inside you that isn't coping or you don't have the the processing power to and that's that's why it's so much more harmful yes they need to change but you can't change them Mm. you can improve your communication skills but if the anger and the emotion is still there even if you have carefully chosen words that the attitude is still going to come through Mm. Yeah, and and many people are in what you've just described as toxic relation, uh, toxic workplaces. You know, many people are spending eight hours a day in very toxic environments, and they take their toll on people. And I don't think people realise the the physical and the psychological stress that your body is under when you're going to a toxic work environment day after day, and like you said, experiencing workplace you know bullying from from peers or or management or whatever it can have long-term consequences psychologically and physically when you expose yourself to that sort of stress and it can be very harmful yeah if you are sitting in your car waiting to go into your job and you're sitting there feeling sick at the prospect of going in but you have to and you're just trying to psych yourself up to go in you need to go and see a counsellor and get some help with that because, mm. yes, the problem might be in the environment, but that sick, stressed, worried feeling is inside you mm. and you need to get some help with dealing with that. And when mm. you're working from home, you may still have that feeling just going into your office where your computer is and then it's hard to turn off because you're at home People are actually, our studies are showing that people are actually working longer hours from home because it's right there. And there's no walking away from it because it's home. At least when you leave a job, you drive home or you come home and you're in a different environment. Hmm. So have you got some some strategies, particularly for those who maybe are working from home or maybe they're at work, but, but maybe one or two things people can do um, if they can't come in and see you straight away, perhaps what they could do in the meantime that might be help with their self-care and, and processing these things or in preparation. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting that you mentioned self-care because I'm a huge self-care advocate and people don't actually understand what self-care is. They think that it's um, getting a pedicure and, and a facial. And yes, those lovely you know i love doing that myself but that's not essentially self-care and self-care is looking after yourself holistically in all areas of your life and it, and if we're not doing that it's think of it like this if if you've got a car you've got a a tank a fuel tank on your car you have to put petrol in that for your car to go and you know i always say you run out of fuel in your car twice in your life really because it's so inconvenient and so embarrassing you know you, you sort of you do it probably twice in your life um because we know that you just have to do it whether you you know you feel like you haven't got enough time or money 
but you still make the effort to go and, and put in your in your fuel tank. Well, I want people to think about that they have an emotional fuel tank that's very similar to that. And when their emotional fuel tank is full, they can be resilient, they can do life well, they can handle what life throws at them. But when their emotional tank is empty, you just don't have anything to give. And, you know, it makes sense. You've got nothing to give. You're just making withdrawals with no deposits. So I talk to people a lot about keeping their emotional fuel tank full and being very intentional on that. So if you've got a very toxic workplace that you're um, involved in and you've got some of those things that Trish just mentioned about feeling sick and not wanting to go in and um, your heart's racing and you know, you've got butterflies in your tummy, all those things are indicators that you probably experience some anxiety around your workplace. And if you keep exposing yourself to that day after day, it will take a huge toll on you, as I said, psychologically and physically. So you really need to listen to what your body's saying and not ignore it and say, okay, I need to do something here. Because if you don't, you run the risk of burnout. Burnout is a very real thing that, that happens, especially in the workplace. So having said all that, um, Trish, to, to fill your emotional tank, there's lots of things you can do, um, just practical things you do can do. And when I talk to people, it's, they feel like self-care is selfish and they're like, oh, you know, I haven't got time or it's selfish. So I just really start out advocating to people, just do one thing every day that's just for you. Just one thing that's just for you that puts a little bit of fuel in your tank and just start there, you know, and I think everybody has time for one thing and things like just going for a walk. Actually, going for a walk is one of the best self-care things you can do. Um, just going for a walk in the fresh air, take the dog, take your friend, but go for a walk. Right. Another thing is to chat to your friends, you know, reach out, don't isolate. Um, find a trusted friend that you can have a conversation with. Um, the other thing is get enough sleep. Um, we're not getting enough sleep. We're staying up too late watching Netflix and being on social media and then we're getting up early in the morning and people just aren't getting enough sleep and that's having a huge effect on their emotional uh, well-being. So there's just, just three things. Um, just quickly go for a walk, talk to a friend and go to bed on time. Are just three things that you can start to do to just fill that emotional tank. Yeah, and go to bed with your phone in another room so that you're not going to get onto that social media while you're there because that just keeps you keeps you going and Absolutely. You, don't, you don't need to be seeing that stuff just yet you know that's right take some time and, and do that that is great advice honey that's that's just so helpful and uh you have really helped take the stigma out of getting counseling and so if people want to get in touch with yourself that they can go to your website honeyhatoncounseling.com.au you've got contact details there um, so feel free uh, everybody to to do that if you have enjoyed this uh, presentation this interview please like share do those things uh, subscribe this will be shown uh, this will also be the audio will go up as a podcast as well at Build Resilience with Trish Jenkins. Uh, yep, that's what it's called. You can Google it and find that. That'll be going up in a little bit when I when I sort this out after the broadcast. And uh, look, your mental health matters. You know, the strongest prison bars are the ones in your head. And if you belong 
to a company that would like to have um, someone come, someone like myself, to come and speak to the, uh, the staff as a keynote speaker or do workshops on building resilience. Uh, I will not counsel, but I will bring those um, principles to bear to help strengthen you in the meantime. Now, when you're not doing, so there's um, keynoting, workshops uh, to build resilience and overcome fear and those things. But for things that need proper counseling, then uh, I recommend that you get in, get in with um, Honey or someone else if you want. But um, it's really, really important to self-care and, and do these things. And feel free to watch this again and take some notes on some of the tips that you've got. But I'm very interested in that EMDR therapy. I'm thinking I'm a bit curious to maybe have a crack at that. And yeah, I might have one or two issues that need processing still every now and again that come up. Um, but we'll see how we go. All right. Well, take care, everybody. Bless your heaps and have a really brilliant afternoon. Be productive, but make sure you take care of you. All right. All right, everybody. Thanks Thank so you. much. Okay. Bye. Bye.